The scripture reading this morning is from the sixth chapter of Luke, verses 43 to 45. You can find this on page 848 in the Pew Bible. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit, for each tree is known by its own fruit. Figs are not gathered from thorns, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of the heart produces good, and the evil person out of evil treasure produces evil. For it is out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. This is the word of God for the people of God. A good tree can't bear bad fruit. That's what Jesus said. I want to suggest there's a leadership lesson there, which is good news because we're in a series about leadership. Amen. Uh, Last week, Pastor Mark launched this series called Lead for Us, and and he talked about uh, how we we discover and, and and develop and understand leadership in our lives. I just want to further that ball a little bit as we get started here this morning. As you'll remember, on the night before Jesus Christ gave himself up for the world, even even before he lifted the bread and the cup that we will celebrate later today, before he did any of that, the Bible tells us in the Gospel of John that Jesus knew all authority had been given unto him. And the next line in the Bible talks about how Jesus knelt down and started to wash his disciples' feet. Jesus begins to rewrite for us what leadership looks like. What Jesus teaches us is this. If you want to lead in God's economy, you must be a servant. And if you are a servant, you are a leader. To lead is to serve, and to serve is to lead. Jesus tells us this. And I I share this with us today because from time to time I'll encounter folks in the church who will say about themselves, I'm not a leader, and then I see them serving all over this place in God's economy to serve as to lead, and to lead is to serve. And this series called Lead is about how do we become better servant leaders in order to bring glory to God. And this morning, our lesson centers around this idea Jesus shares with us that a good tree can't bear bad fruit. The defining characteristic of leadership in our culture is often that we have good outcomes. If my business is growing, if the bottom line is good, if those metrics and numerics are where they're supposed to be, then I must be a good leader. But Jesus nuances what good leadership looks like. Jesus says that the results, the fruit of our labors of leadership are inevitable if we are a good tree. Joseph Stoll said it this way in his book, Redefining Leadership. He says that there's, there is one question that servant leaders must answer if they want to lead in the vein of Christ. And the question is this. Am I willing to choose character as the defining characteristic of leadership. Am I willing to choose character as the defining characteristic of leadership? Because character is more important than outcomes. The defining characteristic of Christian leadership is character. Which means outcomes are secondary to living our lives with integrity. 
to lead with character is to recognize that the process of how we do things is more important than the results. The journey and how we navigate that journey more important than the destination. If I am a servant leader of character, of integrity, the results will take care of themselves. Or as Jesus said it, a good tree can't bear bad fruit. I like the way Norman Schwarzkopf, Storm and Norman, made a comment about leadership. Here's what he had to say. Leadership is a potent combination of strategy and character. But if you must be without one, be without strategy. When our character is strong, the results, the outcomes of our servant leadership will be strong. This is all a good idea. Let me share with you, though, a wonderful example of the difference between two leaders that we find in Scripture. Perhaps the distinction between outcome-driven leadership and character-driven leadership is nowhere more pronounced than in the distinction between the first two kings of Israel, Saul and David. Saul was a guy who was driven by insecurity. He was always worried about David. He was worried about the the other tribes around him and the other kingdoms around him. He was driven by insecurity. David, however, was possessed by humility. And sometimes we can confuse insecurity and humility, but I would suggest they can't be further apart from one another. Insecurity is the constant need to have people tell us that we're doing a good enough job. Humility is the recognition inside of ourselves that we are not yet doing the job we need to do. We, we, are, we are continually growing. Humility involves a level of teachability. Saul was insecure as a leader. David was humble. Saul was timid. David was bold. Maybe the most famous story of David is the story of David and Goliath. What a great story that is. And if you remember... Every morning, the Israelite army lined up on on one hill, and the Philistine army lined up on the other hill, and the Philistine champion, a giant by the name of Goliath, came out from the ranks of the Philistines, and he shouted insults at the army of the living God. You know where Saul was while this was taking place? He was in his tent. He was timid. But one morning... A young boy by the name of David, not even old enough to be a soldier, just a shepherd boy, brings his brother's lunch. And as he does, he hears Goliath's rumbling on the other hill. And he he issues the greatest insult in the Bible. He says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? You ever really want to get at somebody? (laughs) Call them. No, don't do that. I'm just kidding. Please don't. Please don't call anybody an uncircumcised Philistine. He says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the Lord? Saul was timid. David was bold. Picked up his sling and five smooth stones. Only needed one stone, didn't he? And the giant fell. But the thing is, those are really just characteristics. Saul's insecure. David's humble. Saul's timid. David's bold. You really want to know what the difference between Saul and David was? Scripture tells us. The Bible tells us that David had a heart that was like God's heart. David wasn't humble. He he wasn't bold. He wasn't a great leader because he happened into those things. 
Those characteristics exist because David had a heart after God's own heart. My brothers and sisters, if we want to lead in the vein of the living Christ, if we want to be excellent servant leaders, it's not about trying to get better characteristics. It's about trying to make sure that our heart is a heart after God's own heart. Am I choosing character as the chief characteristic of my servant leadership? One of the parts of this series that I'm really excited about is that we recognize that there are some, there are some people already members of Ebenezer Church that are out there doing amazing servant leadership. And last week we had a chance to share a conversation between uh, myself and, and Joni Bowne, who's a teacher over at Stafford High School. She does, she does wonderful, wonderful work over there. What a blessing that, that was. Uh, this week we, I had a chance to sit down with two other leaders in our community who attend Ebenezer Church, our members here, uh, Holly Hazard and Jack Cavalier, both of whom serve on local government. So I'm going to show this video in just a second, and then we're going to, we're going to see what, what leadership lessons we take from the video and, and bring everything full circle to talk once again about the character of leadership. But check this out. So Jack Cavalier, Holly Hazard, thank you so much for taking time to be with us uh, today. I really, really appreciate it. Jack, you serve on the Safford County Board of Supervisors, which is the chief policymaking board for uh, Stafford County. And Holly, you've been serving for a number of years as well on the board, uh, the school board here in Stafford County. And I just wanted to thank you as part of our lead series for uh, letting us pick your brains about some of the ways that, that you lead. So starting off, could you just tell me a little bit about what what drew you first into public service? Well, I would quote my daughter's uh, favorite artist is Sean Mendez. It's in my blood. Part of that from my parents, they were always people who were involved in their community and taught me that if you see a problem, you can complain about it for only so long. And then the ultimate question was, what are you going to do about it? So I will say my launch into public service here in Stafford County started with actually a whole group of Ebenezer people that we joined together uh, when they were going, Dominion Power was going to put in some rather ugly towers uh, through Stafford County, and some Ebenezer people came together, uh, put together a group called Towering Concerns, and we really rallied the community to come out and speak, and it was an amazing experience. Um, many of them I still see today, and we still sort of chuckle, and that was over 10 years ago. And it taught me that a group of committed people who have a purpose and aren't willing to stay silent can make a huge impact in their community. Jack, what brought you into public service? Well, first echoing what Holly said, that that was, I was on the Board of Supervisors when that all transpired. And when I first heard that, I thought there's little to no chance that that effort is going to result in the lines getting buried because Dominion Power didn't do it cost a lot of money. So I, I give a lot of credit to you and, and that group to, to spearhead that. My, my involvement started back in high school, whenever I was first elected class president. And then it just kind of snowballed after that. I was on the student administration, I think it was called the board of directors or something like that in college. 
And then, of course, moved here to Stafford County and got involved in, in my local neighborhood, HOA, Quiet Harbor, which is a huge HOA in there, 2,500-some homes, and served on that board for six years. And I guess it was just kind of natural progression that uh, I got elected to the Stafford County Board of Supervisors in 1999, so last century, <laughs> and um, been there for... 16 years, because I had a four-year vacation in between. We'll, we'll term it like that. Um, so it's it's one way, I think, that uh, it, it it allows you to, to help people and to actually make a difference, like Holly said, in people's lives. Well, I think I've, I've got three that I could summarize into right here today. The first, you're never going to make everyone happy. That's rule number one. Um, and the second is be a listener. I found that many times that when you allow people to air out their concerns to you, they end up solving their own problem more than you do by inserting yourself into the situation, by just letting them talk it through. And it seems like, well, it's not that bad of a problem anyhow, maybe, or there's an easy fix. The world isn't that bad. Um, I think that listening is probably one of the keys because it, it just really helps uh, to hear people out. And you understand that in your profession more so than anyone, I think. And the third thing, I think, is is compromise. Compromise seems to be a lost art nowadays. It's, it's almost a dirty word in politics, unfortunately. And yet I've felt that it always seems to be one of the better ways to get things done. I would be remiss if I did not say that I have the best um, husband who, when I get home from certain meetings and have said the word, I quit, I'm done, not doing this, he is always there and says, you're there for a reason. You know that you were, you're called to be there for some reason. You know that. And I say, I will know that tomorrow morning. But for right now, I, <laughs> I want to stay in the I quit. I'm going to get a blanket and throw it over. And I think the days that you say the I'm done, I quit, or not, you know, I, I, I just, I can't do this anymore. That's the whole point of our faith. I think of all the people who, I mean, you think of Moses. I mean, I'm not doing this 40 years. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I am not doing this 40 years. But it's about resilience and perseverance and saying, we're going to make it to whatever the promised land is for Holly, maybe very different from us, but you were to serve in that role with integrity and make a plan for the future and help raise up people and do what's in the best interest as you see it. We have to have that balance of, as Christians, we are very focused on God's kingdom, but if we're not making an impact on this side of heaven, we can't lead people to something that's that's better. And I have found that having my faith that everything we do right now does have an impact, but it also has eternal impact. I truly believe we are called to every moment that God has ordained every moment that we are in. And he has placed you in this position 
in that position, whatever, for a reason and for such a time as this. We do have some very difficult decisions to make. And, and at those times, I, I do pray that I'm making the best decision for the citizens of this county. And, you know, I know, and sometimes, you know, I may be wrong, but I try to do what's, what's right for everyone. And to have some spiritual guidance in that endeavor is, it, it's almost necessary. I don't know how you do it without having some sort of faith. I say this very lightheartedly, but have you absolutely lost your mind? I, I mean it this way. So we're living in a, a really, let's call it interesting political reality right now at all levels of, of government. Um, we've talked before at Ebenezer about the fact that civility in our society is on the decline. Um, and so... You come face to face with people who oftentimes don't know as much as about issues as you do and seem to feel as if the solutions are, are simple, uh, which is, is something we tend to feel when we only have one perspective on, on an issue. Um, what is it that keeps you... Jack, you've been doing this for 20 years, right? Holly, uh, you, you've been in this for seven years now? Mm-hmm. Um, what is it that keeps you coming back? to serving this community as followers of Christ. I always feel like, you know, I I try to do a good job at this and there's always something more to do. Like I said before, the work never really ends. There's no completion of your job. You don't get to go to the end of the year and say, check, 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 you know, I accomplished all this because there's there's just so much more and so much that, that to be done. And to be able to help the community is really probably the reason why I, I stay in this. I, I actually like to do this most times. <laughs> there, there are times when I question my, my sanity. Uh, and But all in all, it, it, it's, it's something that, that I think I can do and I can help people. And that, that's what really drives me. I would agree with that. I think... And I know I think I, I know I can say this for Jack too. We love our community. We wouldn't have picked to live here and stay here when you know there are other options if we didn't want to invest in it. And I believe the jobs that we both hold, as do many other people in our in our congregation, it's an investment in this community. If our knowledge of the community, our experience, or our demeanor, what, whatever those things are, have brought us to this role, we have to use them. And we need to use them. And I believe that God's calling us to use them. I just want to say thanks uh, on behalf of our entire congregation and our community. Uh, you probably don't hear that enough. But thank you, thank you, thank you for the hard work that you pour in to help make Stafford a better place in which to live and to help build the kingdom of God right here. Uh, we're very, very grateful for you. And thank you especially for your time today. God bless you guys. A pastor and two politicians sat down to have a conversation. Sounds like the start of a joke, doesn't it? But... Uh... It was a little bit longer than that. I want to say thanks not only to Holly and Jack, but to our tech team that, that made all that happen. Thank you. Uh, it's, a, it's a great testament to the fact that we, we've got 
we've got so many great people in here already investing in servant leadership. Thank you, thank you, thank you for that. But I do want to, I do want to talk about a few nuggets of, of wisdom that we got from Jack and Holly because, because there were some really great things that they shared. I, I love Jack's three, three ideas about uh, what you need to know if you want to be a servant leader. Uh, first, you're not going to make everybody happy. If, if you have been serving for very long, you know that that's, that's the case. You're not going to make everybody happy. But his second one was equally important. He said, it's important to listen. As a leader, one of the things I know is I can't make everybody happy, but I can help everyone feel heard. Third thing he talked about was compromise. Compromise seems to be a dirty word, a lost art in our society. And of course, as the church of Jesus Christ, there are some things we're never going to compromise. Jesus Christ is Lord, and that will not compromise throughout eternity. But there are some other things that we can strive to figure out together. I love when Holly was talking about the importance of having a network of support. Uh, My... My family is a tremendous network of support for me, and uh, as are my friends. And I, I know that we need people to support us as we are serving the folks around us. We simply need that. God created us as social people in the context of community. And to make sure that we were getting community right, God gave us this thing called the church. We need the support of the people around us. But my, my favorite part of that interview, and both Holly and Jack hit on it, was that they they talked about the importance of this thing called resilience. Most of us have had the experience as leaders of wanting to put a blanket over our heads at one point, right? Just hide from everything that's going on. You've had that. I'm not the only one who's felt this way, right? We've all had those experiences where we we just want to put a blanket and forget the rest of the world is there. Resilience is coming back out from underneath that blanket. It's okay to wear the blanket every once in a while, but resilience is coming back out from underneath that blanket. How do we get back to the work that God has called us to do? How do we build resilience as servant leaders? And that's an important question to answer. It takes us back to our conversation before the video, because if my leadership is based on outcomes and results, it's going to be hard for me to be a resilient leader. For when things aren't going well, If people are complaining, it's hard to be resilient if my servant leadership is based on results. However, if leadership is based on character, if I have read scripture, if I have prayed, if I have done what I can do to let God mold my heart, to make it look like God's heart, then resilience becomes possible. Not that my family or my company or my program or my church will always thrive at every moment. Not that everyone will always be happy. But if I am leading with character and integrity in time, there will be fruit. Jesus said so. A good tree can't bear bad fruit. One of the thought about resilience, and we've been talking about how do we become better servant leaders, but one interesting thing to think about is how do we help the people around us to become better servant leaders? And I've been thinking this week about the, the way that we could require less resilience of our leaders, the way that we could help them become better. And to illustrate this, I need to tell you something I'm kind of ashamed of. So on Google... You can write reviews of different places. Did you know that? The 815 service knew this. You should know this. Right? 
On Google, you can write reviews of things. So if you want to, you went to a restaurant, you can review the restaurant. And then other people, before they go to that restaurant, they can read your review of that restaurant. Well, this past week, I was looking at my reviews from the last several years of places I'd been. And I discovered that most of the times that I reviewed a place, it was a negative review. I was so ashamed. <laughs> Because I like to think of myself as a positive person, a glass half full kind of guy. And yet, when I look back at the reality of the times that I gave feedback, my feedback more often than not was negative. So you know what I did? I, I, uh, I spent an hour reviewing every place around here I love. Like, uh, like the guys who work on our car. My, my dad's here today. My dad once, when I was a kid, took the engine out of a car, took it apart, rebuilt it, and put the engine back in the car. If my life depended on it, I probably couldn't figure out how to change the oil. <laughs> I'm dependent on these people who know how cars work. And we found people who do a great job, so I wrote them a great review. My point is this. If we are only giving feedback when things go wrong, we are encouraging the servant leaders around us to be timid, not bold. We can make it so our leaders require less resilience. Leaders in our communities, in our schools. Did you know it's Teacher Appreciation Week this week? Yeah. Leaders in our communities, in our schools, in our businesses, we can help them be better. Not by withholding our constructive ideas. We should share those, but by also ensuring that when they're doing a good job, we tell them they're doing a good job. So when was the last time? When was the last time we wrote appreciation notes to our teachers, the, the, the teachers who teach our children? My goodness, what an important role. When is the last time we did that? I hope you'll take the opportunity to do that this week. Or if it's not your teacher, write a letter to your barber. I don't care. But write. Reflect. Tell a friend. Kids in here, our young people, when was the last time you took a moment to tell your parents thank you for the tremendous sacrifices they make in your life? Take that opportunity today. Some of them just did. Good job, Mom. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, the truth is, Jesus Christ calls all of us to be servant leaders. And servant leadership requires resilience. That resilience comes not when we focus on outcomes, not when we focus on results, but when we focus on the character within. When we do everything in our power to ensure that we have a heart after God's own heart. And not only... Is that investing in our leadership? But if we choose, if we choose to celebrate and to encourage the people around us, we will make it easier for them to be successful as servant leaders as well. So I want to say God bless you to the host of people in this room who serve and lead in our community, in our churches, in our schools, in our families. God bless you. Keep up the great work. And when you have to make that one choice about your leadership, don't choose results. Choose character. Would you pray with me, church? 
Gracious God, I thank you for the women and men in this room and connected to this church, those who are watching us online. I thank you for the tremendous servant leaders we have around us. I thank you for the soldiers and sailors, the airmen, the marines, the coasties, all of those who have spent time in uniform here. We thank you for those who work for our government. We thank you for our teachers. We thank you for our first responders. We thank you, oh God, for all of those who make a service and leadership impact in this world. God, we want to be better. We want to be more effective. Help us, oh God, to learn the irony that the effectiveness doesn't come from taking a new class or learning a new technique. That true effectiveness and servant leadership comes from being people of character. Just as you said, a good tree doesn't bear bad fruit. Help us to be good trees, O oh God. For your sake. And in your name we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen.